Welcome to Whiskey and Wine Out. Welcome. Hi. Um, I'm in the middle of a thunderstorm and a possible tornado watch, so hopefully you guys will all hear this. It won't be my last broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how I'm going down. It's not by tornado. No, you'll go in the cellar with Auntie Anne. Yeah, and what? Auntie M. Auntie M. <laughs> Auntie Anne. It, doesn't she make, like, pretzels or something? That's Auntie Annie, right? I don't know. Oh, hey, Zoe Dog. Hi. So anyway, so since we're we're going reverse today, um, Wait, I'm doing what? the true crime. I'm doing true crime. Well, I did true crime too. So you did. we were themed. What do you mean you did true crime? Yeah, because you didn't on your email when I re looked at it, you didn't tell me that this was the opposite one. Well, I, I gave you the order. So well, then I what know. Do you but I didn't thought I was doing the San Diego, California beach theme, true crime, and you were finding a paranormal. So you did the right theme. I did the right theme, but I oh. also. Well, mine could technically be a mystery because it's unsolved. Okay. So. Well, I'm sorry I didn't follow directions, but when you sent me the list for the next upcoming themes, it did not register in my brain no oh she's fired see she goes to vegas and this is how she gets people she's just she's just a machine she's just partying her brains out it's cool totally it's fine well then it doesn't matter who goes first but hey okay well do you want to go first in keeping with tradition or do you want me to go i'm gonna go first so i can keep drinking as soon as my dog untangles herself from my microphone cords are you done now all right okay so I'm doing the Tory Pines Beach Murders. Get the fuck out of here. Are you fucking doing the same thing? I did. I hate you so much right now. I can't even talk to you right now. Dude, <laughs> how is that possible? I don't know. I fucked up all around. I'm sorry. Are you talking about Barbara and Claire? And Claire, yes. I hate you right now. I've been working on this for like three weeks. <laughs> I hate you so much right now. Wow. God damn it, we're really on the same fucking plane, dude. It's weird. We are. Well, what's the fun in that? You already know everything. All right, well, you want to go and I'll just fact check you the whole way because I know how much you like me to do that. It's okay because I had to leave some things out so it didn't get too long, but that's fucking crazy. That is so funny because I've never heard of this crime and I thought I was surprising you. (laughs) Had you ever heard of this before now? I had heard of it, yeah. Well, only because of what happens to Kevin Brown is how I heard of it. And I go over Mr. Brown. Cool. You suck. I so don't like you right now. I'm so I'm sorry. Super fascinating how we can, I mean, there's a billion crimes in San Diego alone. That you found the same one is pretty crazy. Yes, you can fact check me. I'm cool with that. Okay. okay. So on August 12, 1978, high school super couple Barbara Nantes. Am I saying the name right, you think? I think so. That's as good as I was going to get. All right. She was a head cheerleader. And Jim Alt, he was a surfer. They were in high school. Obviously, they're high school couple. They were planning to sleep on the beach with another couple, Rick Silga and his girlfriend, Cynthia Sloan. Barbara's parents were going away for the weekend, and they asked Jim to stay at the house, which is super progressive for 1978. Because my parents would not let my boyfriend in high school spend the night, spend the weekend with me. Is it progressive or is it sexist that she can't stay by herself? She needs a man. All right. I'll give you that. I'm going to give you progressive, that. 
progressive from the standpoint of premarital sex. Right. Like, yeah, I get what you're saying. So the last thing his father said to them was, hey, keep an eye on my girl. So they headed down to Tory, Tory Prince Beach. So why would you stay at the house, right? But anyway. Yeah. They headed down to Tory, Tory Pines State Beach in beautiful San Diego, California. Home of the most amazing California burrito, which I must have been hungry when I started this. Well, it's beautiful. There's cliffs. You can watch the sunsets from those cliffs, the hiking. It's a beautiful beach. It is. It's, I mean, it is in La Jolla. So, at, so yeah, they head down to the beach. So at 9.30, Jim and Barbara decided to camp on the beach by Lifeguard Station 7 with their sleeping bags and a campfire. While Rick and Cynthia slept in their cars in the parking lot. Barbara fell asleep in Jim's arms while they were staring at the starry sky. Did you say their age? Because Jim was 17 and Barbara was 15. Oh, no, I did not read that. That's good to know. I did not know that. So the next morning, Jim woke up disoriented and unable to see and covered in blood. He reached for Barbara, but she wasn't there. He staggered to the car where Rick and Cynthia were sleeping and banged on the window. Rick was shocked by Jim's appearance. His head was swollen and blood soaked his clothes, and he hardly recognized his friend. Um, all Jim could say was, find Barbara. Rick ran, down, Rick ran down to the beach and discovered Barbara's nude, lifeless body next to lifeguard tower number seven. Barbara had been bludgeoned to death with a rock, strangled, raped with a sharp object, and her nipples and areola had been mutilated. Only one boob okay. was mutilated. Okay. Her mouth had also been stuffed with sand. Her body had been posed with her arms above her head and her legs were bent at the knee and spread open. Because that's so fucking classy. Fucking serial mm-hmm. killers, man. Um, Jim Alt had immediately been cleared as a suspect since he ended up actually in a coma for a few days. And he'd been bludgeoned. And his, like I said, his injuries had him in a coma. He was bludgeoned with a rock and also a log that was from the fire that he had made the night before. Like they had grabbed the log out of the fire to beat him. Oh, gross, dude. Mm-hmm. This is gross on so many levels. I still can't believe we're doing the same one. We're, man, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's something between us. I need more specific direction, I think, and I, a reminder. Specific? Nice try. Although I'll give you credit that we put gay pride in the middle of it, what we were doing as far as our order. I just assumed you'd remember, which doesn't mean anything against you. It was an assumption. You can't assume I remember shit. I have everything written down. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, they had no suspects. No one had seen anything. Rick and Cynthia never saw another car pull up. They never heard any screaming. They didn't notice any other campers. Nothing. So the police came to the conclusion the killer must have left through the parking lot because they had stopped by the public bathroom and washed Barbara's blood off their hands. They also found Barbara's blood in the toilet and hairs that were also on the sleeping bag, since it matched the hairs on the sleeping bag and the ones in the bathroom. Since it was 1978, DNA wasn't a thing yet, but they did store all the evidence for future testing. One interesting thing I found were the hairs they found in the bathroom that matched the sleeping bag were female, and they didn't come from any of the four teenagers. Oh, wow. But this is about the only time it's kind of mentioned. What are you looking at? I don't know. There was a noise that was a 
above me. Jen's in a hotel room in Vegas right now. I am. I couldn't believe, by the way, you were at the pool at 930 in the morning. Like, when I texted you, you're like, oh, we're at the pool. And I was like, oh, I'm at the pool. I was at the pool at 830 this morning. <laughs> okay, so at 830 this morning, I was at Walmart buying groceries. Then I came home, cleaned the house, made chili from scratch, did laundry, wrote a podcast. Well, I wrote the rest of it. I don't know why I said it so harshly. So anyway, let's move on. August okay. 1984. 14-year-old Claire Huff. Huff? Hugh is how I was. Hugh. All right. Let's be consistent. Hugh. And her brother were visiting her grandparents in Torrey Pines. They lived in Rhode Island and wanted to hang out at the beach for the summer. Like, who wouldn't? Yeah. She also taken her friend Kim Jane. Um, I'm sorry. Kim Jamer? Or you think it's Jammer? Jamer. Jammer. There's, it's only one M, so. That's one I'm Norman Jammer. Um, to stay at her parents for a week so they can hang out for the summer, during the summer, not for the summer. One evening they snuck out, out of the house to walk along the beach. Kim got scared about how pitch black it was at the beach. There are no headlight, or headlights. There's no street lights at the beach. It's pretty dark when you go out there at night. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went back to Claire's grandparents' house. A couple of days later, Kim flew back home and made Claire promise that she would not go to the beach alone. Mm-hmm. 24th, Claire was seen leaving a convenience store at 9 p.m. at night and heading towards the beach. The following morning, her body was found by Wallace Wheeler as he walked along the beach. Her body was found under a bridge near Lifeguard Tower 5. Claire had been strangled, beaten, sexually assaulted, and her left breast had been amputated, mm-hmm. which... You look, you think of a 14 year old girl. How big could her breasts be? Like, even if she was just naturally big breasted, that's a lot of work. It's not like yeah. she had these silicone breasts. I mean, I don't know how easy it is to cut off a boob. I can't Let imagine. Do not know? Yeah, I, I think like a finger you could see, you know, the stick of a cleaver and chop, but, or even a wrist, but a boob? I, that's just really fucking gross. Anyway. Her throat had been slit. Go ahead. She went out to, they theorized, to go sneak a cigarette because she had her pack of cigarettes and her um, Walkman. So, like, she was going to go, you know, walk on the beach and smoke a cigarette, listen to music. Which is probably what she bought at the convenience store. Mm -hmm. Her throat had also been slit and sand had been forced down her throat through the wound in her throat. What? Yeah. So I heard she was strangled. They put it through the slit in her throat. You read what? That's awful. I read that she was strangled. She was strangled. They think this was after the fact. Wow. The the throat maybe just to put the sand in it. Oh. Because, yes, she was was strangled. Um, The only difference between her and Barbara's death had been the pose. Everything else had been pretty much on point. So just to clarify, I stated previously that they collected all the evidence in the swabs in 1978 and 1984, but we didn't have the technology yet. So as we catch up, it's kind of all over the place because the testing was done in like 1998 and 2012 mm-hmm. because it's still an open case. Yeah, they just randomly run it through CODIS, you know, to see if there's a hit every now and again, you know, whenever it gets brought up. I just wondered if people had started like talking about it again and that's why. I think it was a new detective in 2012 who brought up the cold case again. Like, I think they just kind of have things stored in an order where it's like, Oh, we're, you know, we've got more 
DNA technology, here's five of the top cases that we'd like to use when we can. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So let's go over our suspects. Wallace Wheeler was the guy who found Claire. Mm-hmm. She found, he found the body. He started writing letters to the family claiming he was psychic and admitted to seeing visions of the murder. What? Yeah. So, of course, the police thought that was really strange behavior. Yeah. The Wheelers, are the Wheelers, just one of them, Wallace Wheeler ended up committing suicide in 1988 by throwing himself from the roof of a hotel. Years later, his daughter provided DNA, clearing her father of the crimes. Do you have anything on Wallace Wheeler? No. And okay. I, I didn't know that he had killed himself either. Oh, yeah, that's a whole trend. Um, by the way, let me tell you what my sources were because I use, like, literally um, the same source. It was darkideas.net is where I first saw this story at 2 in the morning one night. I used cbsnews.com, sandiegounionjubune.com, and kfgo.com. So just want to clear that up because I, I really pulled most of it off dark ideas. Mm-hmm. Kevin Brown... So I'll go over what I have on Kevin Brown, and then you can fill in the blanks, because his story is a little lengthier than Wallace Wheeler's. Well, can we talk about Ronald first? Uh, Ronald after Kevin Brown. Oh, fine. I wrote <laughs> it the other way around, so I'm going to have to be going <laughs> through my notes. Oh, after. sorry. My my story started with Kevin Brown as the second suspect, and then I get into Ronald. Okay. Okay. And since I was the one that followed... Um, what we were supposed to do, I get to go first. Because <laughs> you followed the rules. Fine. I followed the rules, yeah. I wasn't partying in Vegas. Okay, so Kevin Brown, he was a crime scene photographer and a lab technician for 20 years for the San Diego Police Department between 1982 and 2002. He became a suspect when his DNA was found on a swab from inside Claire's vagina in 2012. Mm-hmm. Now, instead of just assuming his DNA might have gotten onto the swab, well, they were collecting the evidence because it was in 1984. The police well, just decided, go ahead. A guy by the name of John Sims, who was the one who um, was all of his name, the lab tech, his name was all over the paperwork. So it wasn't immediately thought that it was cross-contamination because it wasn't Kevin Brown who was working on the case. Right. And I would have gotten there. I'm sorry. I'm done with you today. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unless you're in bed, then you can call me. Um, <laughs> so instead of just assuming that the DNA might have gotten on there while they were, like I said, collecting evidence, which I'll get there, um, they totally threw this guy under the bus. The San Diego Police Department had been in, having a public image issue because there had been some corruption, and it was kind of a big news story. They'd been under investigation. So the press latched onto the story and was making it to like, oh, look, the police are involved again. So the police like grabbed onto that to say, no, everything's an open book. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Like, no, we're totally looking into this. So I feel like they pressed a little harder because of that image that had been out there for a while. Yeah. You well, can tell. Go ahead. Wasn't it around the time when they found a whole backlog of sexual assault kits? That had never been tested. See, I didn't look into the investigation because I didn't want to take that time and that chunk, but I did not look into why they were having the public yeah. image problems. Um, I did read a little bit about it, and yes, you, you're absolutely correct. Okay. That is true. There was um, a specific woman that they had totally dropped the ball on. Yes, and I didn't look. I I didn't look at that at all. Like it didn't come up in my 
research. I just remember it being in the news because I live in San Diego and because I'm interested in, you know, those kind of cases that I remember reading about it. So I don't know the specifics, but I just. I want to say her name was Donna and I did read it, but that's not what I'm doing here. Okay. So the police obtained a search warrant for his home that he lived at with his wife, Rebecca. They took his wife's work files, a book of Christmas carol music, wedding photographs, stuff that would not be related to a murder 30 years that happened 30 years prior. Can I say something? Of course. When you, when you said the Christmas carols, this has absolutely nothing to do with this at all, except I was at the pool yesterday in Vegas and the, there was a group of like grown people. They're listening to like some R and B and, you know, having a good time. They're drinking their, their drinks in the pool and everything. And this grown man, it's his music that's playing. He's got like one of those Bluetooth speakers and Christmas carols come on and all of his friends are giving him so much shit. And he was like, I don't give a shit. This is my playlist. And his friend's like, this is the wrong playlist. That's super funny. He's just going with it. No, I wanted this to play. He was singing along. Yeah, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. (laughs) So the police wanted a confession, right? Many lab techs, scientists backed up Kevin. So in 1984, there was no controlled testing. So a male criminologist, criminalist, criminal, criminalist. Um, It was very common for male criminalists to donate samples of their semen for controlled experiments. Kevin Brown had done that. Yes. He hadn't actually worked on Claire's case, but the tech that did work on his case was the desk next to him. And the swab in question had been left lying on the desk to air dry. Ew. Okay, but also, I feel like it's, uh, I don't know if you read this, but they had their their control specimens, you know, those people who decide, who did contribute their semen. It was in the same refrigerator as the specimens that they were supposed to be testing. And it just was a, a general use type situation. So you didn't have to use your own semen to use as a control. You just grabbed the control. Right, so like you didn't know whose semen it was. It wasn't labeled. It was just the control... Exactly. Semen, exactly. per se. I bet nobody fucking does that now. I bet no, no one gives their their semen up just for an experiment. No, okay, eighties. Um, and if you got paid to jack it at work, like right, <laughs> win win. Yeah, you know they all did it. Oh, and oh my God, Kevin liked porn and had gone to a strip club. I read that, it. so he must but, be a deviant. He must he be a pervert. Is what they went with. But here's the thing. It's not like he was a VIP member at Deja Vu or Cheetah Girls. He had just been in a strip club in the last couple of years. Like, he wasn't a hardcore. They didn't know him by name. It was nothing like that. They just found out he had got a lap dance at a strip club, and he had watched porn at some point. He had porn videos. It's also uh, the 80s. You know, we didn't have everything at our fingertips on the web. Right. So, of course, the plot thickens. The same year they found Kevin's DNA, which was in 2012, they also found a second male's DNA on Claire. The DNA was from convicted rapist Ronald Tatro. The uh, the San Diego Police Department came to the conclusion that they must have killed Claire together. Yes. Even though there was no evidence that the two men had ever met at all. 
Um, well, but that's why they seized all his property was because and all of the photographs going back to the 1930s. What? Jesus, there, people are bowling above me. I'm pretty sure. Um, in the 1930s, when they seized uh, Kevin Brown's property from his house, they were looking for photographs and they took all the photographs, even including his, I believe it's his wife, Rebecca's mother's photographs that they had going all the way back to the 1930s to try and connect oh Ronald and Kevin. <clears throat> That's and really they didn't find, but grasping at straws here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, they, they killed Claire together, even though they can never prove they met. Eight months after the investigation started on Kevin, he hung himself from a tree. And three days after his death, San Diego Police Department declared Kevin and Ronald guilty, and the case was closed. In 2015, Rebecca Brown sued the city of San Diego for wrongful death, and in 2020 was awarded $6 million, and Kevin was exonerated. There was even talk that Kevin was set up, Rumors circulated that Kevin had seen something go down with some of the police officers, and they were afraid he would rat them out, so they stole his semen sample from the freezer to set him up. And that's how the DNA got on there. What? That seems a bit far-fetched, more so than somebody made a mistake. Like, Agreed. But I guess there was so much corruption before this happened in the early 80s that, or 90s, I don't even, I mean, I don't even know when they decided to force this because he was out of the police department by 2002. 2012 is when they reran the DNA. Right. And they got the hit. So why, and from everything I read, Kevin Brown was a very, um, like mild mannered type yeah. guy. Like didn't make a fuss, wasn't trying to get into shit. No, so he's just a normal guy. He was just a dude doing his job. Never got in any trouble except that lap. I must have laptop lap dance he got <laughs> one time that haunted him. I've been to strip club like 10 times. I was going to say, if, I mean, does that if make that's me what a, we're going on? I'm in trouble. Everybody's in trouble. <laughs> okay. So although the now deceased Kevin was off the hook, what about Ronald Tatro, Tatro, whatever. So Ronald had served in Vietnam. He had won three medals in his tour. After getting out, um, he became a police he's officer. He's good at killing. He is good at killing. And after he, he came out, he became a police officer in Hot Springs, Arizona. In 1974, he beat up a woman because she turned out to not be a prostitute, and that pissed him off. But he oh. was caught quite quickly. While out on bail, he kidnapped another woman and raped her. He beat her so severely and then dumped her on a country road. He was later convicted of raping a 16-year-old girl. That was in so, La Mesa in uh, California. And I that was a Arizona to California because I never read that. So that was a year after Claire Hugh was murdered. He got arrested and, in La Mesa in 1985. You've got me all fucked up because I can't even find my notes because you switched. I'm <laughs> sorry. Switched I'm not so, sorry. It's your fault. <laughs> but that's fair. That's fair. It is my fault. But he, uh, she, he kidnapped her, brought her into a van, which, and also, I don't know if you guys ever listened to True Crime Garage, also an ex- excellent podcast, but they have their whole campaign of ban the van. I'm go over there now, Jen. Why don't you just lose all our listeners by Listen. telling them better podcast things? 
listen, we are equal opportunity. We are not, you have to, you know, sign on to one and can't listen to any of us and no one else. That's it. I have spoken. Okay. Whiskey and wine nets. Whiskey and wine What do you want to call our people? <laughs> not wine nets. Whiskey? Okay. That sounds like a Triscuit. Okay. Listen. I'm listening. He had kidnapped or attempted kidna- attempted to kidnap a 16-year-old girl in La Mesa. And... Um, so is that different than the one he was convicted of raping? Or is that a separate one? Because you said attempted separate. kidnapping. Oh. It's separate. I'm sorry. I got to find... Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a year after Claire's murder, which also places him still in San Diego. This woman or girl, really, is 16, she thankfully was able to escape and alert police. And when the police came to arrest him, he tried to kill himself by slitting his wrists. Oh. But... Obviously, they saved him, and he spent three years in prison for that. And it was an attempted rape, an attempted kidnapping. Or no, it was kidnapping. It was attempted rape. I I, I read that he was convicted of an actual rape. Okay, so it was an attempted. I mean, not that it fucking matters. I'm sure it was still super fucking traumatic. It's possible that it was both, but I think that was another one. I think that I think the rape was a separate incident. Yes, because he definitely did not give up his sexually predatory ways like he continued that all the way until he fucking died so well one of the things they had said was with the mutilations they assumed it was someone that had been in the military which is weird because my last i mean my husband was in the military i have family in the military i don't know that they ever learned to rape and mutilate people i mean i don't know a lot of people that were in vietnam that you know weren't my grandfathers or something but I think that's funny. They jumped to that conclusion for some reason. They well, assumed it was I wonder, military. I wonder if it was just completely stereotyping someone who didn't have ties to San Diego, but was here uh, for a little bit because right. we have a we have huge military, military population. Right. We, even though I don't live there, I'm still we. <laughs> You're part of the we. I am part of the we. I haven't lived here for seven years, and that's when you become like a true Pennsylvanian or any state you go to. I've only been here like seven months. So anyway, but here are the things. So, you know, it sounds like he might be the killer of Barbara and Claire. But, one, he was in jail when Barbara was killed. So he could not have been there. He never killed his victims, as far as we know. Doesn't mean he can't start. He's got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. That was found the swab for Claire. I mean, we already know that whole thing was contaminated, and he was a convicted rapist. So we don't know that he wasn't convicted of of a... of a crime he said in 1985, we don't know that wasn't contaminated. So he could be the killer, but we also know that that sample was totally compromised. He so, wouldn't be able to be convicted, for sure, because for sure. there's a doubt. So in 2011, on the anniversary of Claire's death, so it had been 27 years since Claire's murder, he was his boat was found adrift on the Tennessee River, his wallet and glasses were left behind, and it was ruled a suicide. Hmm. So do you have anything else to say on this case that I didn't go over? Before I I end it, I mean, the three major suspects all committed suicide in different ways, too. I do want to say, because it's, I mean, it's super sad all around, right? Like, everybody involved is basically dead. Uh, Claire's dad said to NBC San Diego, quote, In some ways, a trial would have been more difficult than them just being gone, unquote. So I think for him, I, I don't know about the other woman's 
family. Barbara. I know Jim Alt is, has been very proactive. He's in the public. Yeah, he's in the public about it. I mean, he was, like you said, 17. I mean, he was in a coma. His girlfriend was bludgeoned to death and raped, mm-hmm. and he was right there. And he has no memory at all. Like, as he remembers, he fell asleep. He woke up covered in blood. Barbara was gone. And his friends saw nothing and heard nothing. Yeah. And it's it's altered his life as it would. At 17, you're very susceptible. You're still very yeah. young. Your brain's still developing. And I'm sure it affected everybody. Well, and also, you know, when you're in love when you're 17, it's you genuinely life. think, yeah, you think you're going to marry that person and you're going to, you know, be with them forever. And to have that person ripped away from you at such a young age when you are so full of hope, I feel like there's probably an emotional point to to that guy, Jim, to say, like, we would have been together forever had this not happened. Do you know what and, I mean? Like, just kind of stuck there. So it probably hurts a whole lot. And to put people there, look at all the people you know, mostly via Facebook. Facebook should get a lot of props for reuniting high school sweethearts. I have known so... Because you're one of them? Okay, but... <laughs> okay, Kristen was not my high school sweetheart. We were buddies. We were friends. We were really good friends. But he wanted to be... loved me to death. I was his first love. And he never married because he would only marry me. And then as fates turn out, we're married. And I love him now. I mean, I loved him as a friend, but now I love him as my husband. It's just funny how Facebook has connected people. But I've known so many people that have gone back and found their first love in high school. There is something special about, I don't know if I want to say your first. I I don't know, Barbara. I don't know if he was the first. She was 15. He probably was. I don't even know if they had sex. Maybe they didn't have sex. I don't know. Well, it's probably a first love, you know, regardless of whatever they they were doing. Remembers their first love. There is something very, very special about your first love. Like for my parents, it was their only love. Yeah. Sixty years next next year. Yeah, yeah, next year. So I think that's really special, and it really has altered his life, not mm-hmm. in a negative way, but. Well, I'm sure it's in a negative way. I mean, but you know what I mean? Well, you are your, you are a compilation of all of your experiences. And that was a huge experience for him. So I'm sure it touched every decision he ever made. I mean, every decision. And I mean, he doesn't remember shit. Like his thing is, I woke up covered in blood with a horrible head injury. And then he was put in a coma. But yet his best friends, his friends, they didn't see, they didn't hear anything. Like, it's almost like they were asleep and someone just came up and bludgeoned them to death. Barbara was still, prob- she was probably unconscious when she was raped and all those horrible things were done to her. But yeah. probably still alive, but not conscious. That's why there were no screams. Uh, it's a horrific case. And that's, I think, why I clinged on to it when I read it. Because I never heard that. And I yeah. lived in San Diego in 2012 and all that. I read the papers. I just never came across this case. Well, and that's how I knew it was just when Kevin Brown entered the picture and then there was the lawsuit and the lawsuit just yeah, was completed like, yeah, last yeah. year. And she deserves that money because they fucking rolled him. Yeah. They just took it and they ran with it. And that was wrong. I mean, I get it that sometimes well, the she told she told the lead detective, his name was Michael Lambert. She told him that he was suicidal. 
in September. He he died by suicide. He drove up to their cabin in uh, Cuyamaca. They had a cabin, and that's where he hung himself. And a oh. month before, he she found what she thought was a suicide note. And when she found it, he said, "No, no, it wasn't. It's not a suicide note. I'm not. You know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that bad. Blah blah blah." Uh, you know, probably trying to be strong for his wife. And she told Detective Michael Lambert, hey, this shit, like, he's getting suicidal, you know, stop pushing Because you guys have pointed him, the press, the police, yeah. they decided that he was it. Exactly. He was a be-all, end-all. And that was really shitty, considering the evidence was from 1984, when they well, were and he had so... never been... The OJ trial... Which is when he had never been in real. trouble before. No. Uh, he, it wasn't like he was a notorious offender to where it was like, oh, he probably did it because, you know, he's Dexter. Like this was the one, you know, thing that got him caught. But the thing is, people that do this kind of shit, that bludgeon people and rape them and put sand on their throat and all that, they don't do it once. There's never a one one up it, you know, like, oh, I did this once. OK, I got over it. I moved on. That's so rare. I've never heard of it. I mean, if you no, didn't know, it, it escalates, it you know, and then, and I feel it's terrible that the cases are still open. Although considering the time, I get it. They still don't even know if the cases are linked. It could be a coincidence. I mean, there is a large gap, but yeah. there have been a handful of other murders in San Diego in those time periods where breast mutilation and, um, not sand, not at Tory Pine's speech, but there was gravel stuff down the Ooh. victim's throat. So maybe it's like wherever you're at, you can do that. Yeah. You know, not at the beach and you grab them somewhere else, use gravel or sand or rocks or whatever's near you. Right. But every time you link one person with a murder, they find out they were in jail or they were in a different state. Well, that was and Ronald it, with um, uh, Barbara's murder. Yeah. Ronald was in, was in jail. Yeah. yeah. So he couldn't have done Barbara. So they don't even know if they're linked. And there were these other murders that could have been linked. They just didn't put together because they didn't have the database. Right. We do now. But these poor women have never had justice. And that's really the saddest part of this whole case is these murders. Three people have killed themselves now over this murder. And and still, there's no justice. Nobody served time for these murders. And these poor young girls were brutalized. And nobody knows. Yeah. And it's still not even justice, you know, that that uh, Kevin Brown's wife got six million dollars. Like, OK, that's that yeah. is a little it's bit for how long, you know? Yeah. And at least he was exonerated. But at what cost? He sure. killed yeah. himself. Yeah, that's not he I'm led sure. a nice life and was, a, as far as we know, a good man. And he I'm can take sure his, I mean, that's organization where the press is against you and your old colleagues. That's yeah. a lot of shit to take on and hold on, you know? Yeah. As far as I know, they didn't have children. I don't um, think they did, but I'm sure Barbara or wait, Rebecca, sorry. Okay. I'm sure Rebecca would have rather had her husband live his life with her than get $6 million. hundred percent. So. And she had to fight for that. I mean, it took five years for her to get that money. Yeah. And the evidence was weak. I just, like you said, it's not Dexter. I don't think anyone does that kind of murder and then just says, yeah, I didn't like that. I'm done. 
Because that was yeah. pretty brutal, what they did to her. And then to slit her throat just to stuff the sand in it. That's pretty fucking gross and weird and violent. Yeah. So I'm still in shock that you picked the same one out of everything. So I even gave you hints, like, I hope you don't know about this case. And then you have this case. I just, that's so weird to me. It is we, wild. We all the time. We did it with Diet Love, too. It's yeah. weird. It's a Scorpio thing. I guess. But you go enjoy your Vegas vacation. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go meet the kids at the pool, so that should be fun. Good. Well, anyway, that's so it's a shorter episode today, though, so that's good for summer. Listen yeah. to us each. Just well, don't go alone at night. Like, really, it's not necessary. There's predators no. out there. Like a stun gun. Yeah. Pepper spray. Don't, go, don't go alone. Call me. I'll come with you. Unless you're a predator, I won't. <laughs> yeah, Jenny, you probably shouldn't put yourself out there. Or get a dog, a big dog. Not a stupid little chihuahua guy. I get it. They're great purse dogs. But, you know, get a dog. A purse dog. Tonight, get some fucking German Shepherds, some Rottweilers, some pitties. You know, go to the beach with a trusted friend. Dogs are always a trusted friend. Yeah, they are. Nobody All gets right, with my dogs well we will talk to you next week and yes. have a wonderful and i'll get jen week. back on the same page so we don't do the same story i'll follow the rules next week i promise i believe you but i love you anyway it's our connection is creepy jen it is it is wild <laughs> all right hey, that's all all right ciao have a great time bye bye